Welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship. We are, uh, okay, we by me, we, I mean Doug and Jason, we're back, we're here. Don't assume they know. I Sorry, I got excited that I got to do the intro. Hello, new friends. Hello, yeah, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. This is a podcast and a YouTube show, so you can watch or you can listen. And we get to talk about God stuff here. So, uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. Is that a fair description? What a perfect <laughs> description. Couldn't. And wouldn't say it better I myself. I say the show that helps you grow, which is our tagline. Yep. Okay. Uh, unofficial and non, not been written down anywhere tagline. No, but it's ours. Okay. Um, we have a couple of exciting things that we want to share with you first and foremost. Uh, we've mentioned this a couple episodes ago. want to mention it again. Put down in your calendar. Take out your phone. Open your calendar app. Or yes. if you're at home, take out your calendar journal and write down... Uh, the date March 21st that is a Wednesday March 21st yep and you're gonna want to write down you're booked now from 7 to 9 p.m. because we get um, Greg Kokel um, is coming to speak uh, at Saddleback at the Lake Forest campus that night on discovering the story of reality so if you um, if you saw our show uh, last year we did a series on a worldview which was largely uh, based off of his book, The Story of Reality. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to come and share and talk about that book and talk about what it means to view Christianity as a worldview. Yeah, uh, look at us, man. Book authors uh, showing up yeah, on our I show. I mean, besides Saddleback Book Authors. Well, I didn't I think get they to share kinda... that he's coming on the show yet. But Oh. <laughs> I, but thanks for that. I wanted to do the reveal. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you stole that. Anyway, so come out. and join us from 7 to 9. It's also going to be a live stream, so you can watch online, too, if you yep. don't live locally. Yep. Um, also, as Doug said, Greg is going to be a guest on an episode of Doable Discipleship uh, coming at that time. So mm-hmm. be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a really fun one. Yeah, I think that episode will come out the week after the event, if uh, my calculations are correct and if, the if all the editing works. is done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, today we're kicking off <clears throat> excuse me, a new series of episodes. Uh, we're going to be talking about attributes of God. So what are the, what are the traits, uh, the, the, the characteristics that sort of make God God? Like, wh- what are the things that are like the hallmarks of our God? And we'll be talking about that over the course of the next... Uh, three or four weeks, and it's going to be really great. Um, we're going to be dealing with these the, the traits that get at both the goodness and the greatness of God. So the goodness of God, meaning that God is, uh, he's righteous, he's holy. We're going to talk about this idea that God is the, the supreme good in all existence. But we're also going to talk about the greatness of God, meaning sort of the expanse of God, the, the, the grandness of God. So we're going to be touching on a bunch of the not all of the attributes, because no. that list is like longer than. This is it infinite? Might even be. Might be I don't even know. I don't know if that you can even qualify that or quantify that list. My point is, we're going to be talking on uh, about some of the big ones that uh, are most often discussed in theological circles and that have a huge impact on how we live our lives each and every day. So don't go away. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be right back. All right, we're excited to talk about attributes. Wait, no, use the center camera for when Why? we're coming you back. You said coming. <laughs> Please keep this in. Don't edit this out. <laughs> Take two. All right, we're coming back. <laughs> attributes of God. We're excited to talk about this. All right, today we're talking about three major attributes, talking about the greatness of God. 
and by greatness, we're talking about magnitude. We're talking about extent. We're talking about all the these three attributes today that we're talking about are just some of the grandest um, parts when we think about attributes of God. Yeah, we could probably throw the word transcendence in here. That God is, is above and beyond yeah. anything else in existence. And He's these three the, attributes we're talking about today really highlight that. Yes, Definitely. exactly, for sure. Um, so the first thing that we want to talk about is God is all-knowing. Um, uh, the big word for this is omniscient. God is omniscient. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so God, essentially what this means is God knows everything, right? He knows everything about his creation. So he knows everything about you and me. He knows everything about every person who has ever lived. Mm-hmm. He knows everything about everything he's ever created. He knows everything about the universe. Down to the finest detail. Down, Yes, down to the number of, of sands on the beach, <clears throat> to the number of hairs on your head. You think to, that's the smallest detail? No, I'm just giving it in perspective <laughs> of the things that people think of are small. That's true. Down to the quarks that make up... A single atom, or a single part of an atom. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. And who? what if something's beneath that even? Like, what if those are made of something? What if something's... Anyway, I'm not if a physicist. I don't claim... is there, he knows <laughs> yeah. the strings. Okay. Yeah. Um, so basically what we're saying is all things. Yeah. He knows all things. And yeah. it's not just about, like, things that exist either. It's not just about the tangible things. Mm-hmm. He knows everything about the past the present, and the future. He exists outside of time. That's what we're talking about in transcendence. You're right. He exists outside of time. So past, present, and future are in front of him. Yeah. Like So he knows everything that happened, is happening, will happen. Yeah, we, we touched on that, I think, when we did our... Um, Creation? It started, episode? but how episode yeah. um, back in the Worldview series. We just talked about that that idea that God um, God exists in a way that he exists without respect to time and space because he's yeah. outside of it. So, um, yeah, he he has complete full knowledge of everything that has happened, ever will happen, is happening. Oh, that complete full knowledge. Yeah. There is nothing that can be hidden from God's knowledge. Nothing that he does not know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a great verse that talks about this. Isaiah 46.10 says, Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. That's just God is literally God, God saying, talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not Isaiah saying that. <clears throat> Making a bold be through Isaiah, Isaiah, but not him. Yeah. So God is saying, only I can tell you the future before it even happens. And there's some yeah. other great verses that we'll talk about a little later that encompass this too. But it's just this idea that that God is God exists or it is only God has this attribute. Yes. Only God is all knowing. Yeah. No other only being I shares. I can tell that. you the future before it happens. Right. Um and so, and, and that's important as we think about culture. There's been, you know, tons of people who have, you know, expressed that they can know the future or whatever like that. God says, uh, only I can know the future before it happens. Yeah. Sometimes God has worked through prophets. Yeah. But it comes from God's power, from God's omniscience. Yeah. Even angels and demons don't have that kind of su- yeah. supreme knowledge of past, future. The devil it, doesn't have that. He does not have that omniscience, No. <clears throat> And this is, I think, uh, it's important to always make sometimes these reminders that, um, and for some of you, this is this is eminently obvious. Some of you, not so much, though. God and Satan are not these equal opposite forces at all. God is supreme, the maker of all things, including Satan, which, yeah. go back and listen to our The Day We Broke the World episode if you're wanting more on that. Um, man, we've got a bunch of episodes now. We keep like being able to point this to this. This is episode 40? 
41. 41. Yeah. Uh, anyway, look at us with our math. Uh, anyway, so Satan and God are not these equal opposite forces that are in conflict with each other. Satan is completely subordinate to God. Yes. He is as, he is a he, creature of God. He is as far from being like God, essentially, as you and I are. In fact, you could make a case that we're closer to being like God than he is, because um, we're made in made God's in image. image. Not to get off track. Um, but God alone has this and these attributes that we're talking about today. So um, never make the mistake of thinking that God and Satan are somehow like equals who are duking it out. It's not like that in the least. God is supreme. There's no one like him. Uh, one other thing that we could touch on with this omniscience idea, this all-knowingness idea, uh, is the idea that God not only knows everything that has happened, everything that will happen, everything that is happening, <clears throat> but we can extend that to say that God knows everything that would happen under any set of circumstances. And we'll touch on this a little bit later when we talk about how we can apply these to our own lives. But there's this truth that God knows all the potentialities that could exist in any set of circumstances. So God God can be trusted as the planner of the universe because he alone has total and complete knowledge of things and can orchestrate his plans perfectly by that knowledge, by that wisdom. Yeah, in our last episode with Julie Chung, we talked about in Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Yeah. Like, God, he knows these plans because he knows the possible, he knows he's made the plans. Right. Which <clears throat> which include taking other taking everything into account that needs to be taken into account. Yeah. So, yeah, this is part of God's mastery over his creation. He knows it completely. I mean, if, if you think about, like, the, whatever aspect of your life that you feel like you have vast knowledge of, like yourself, your children, uh, your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend, or um, your, even your home, like the interior of your home, you feel like you have this vast knowledge of. It is nothing by, by comparison to God. God has that, that complete, perfect knowledge inside and out. Nothing is hidden from Him. In fact, one of the last things we'll touch on here on this, this all-knowingness idea is that God also knows the complete inner life of all creatures, including ourselves, angels, demons, animals, trees, whatever. Um, he knows... He knows our inner life. There's nothing on us, around us, or even inside us, in our hearts, in our minds, uh, in our motives. There's nothing that's hidden from God. Every, God's, set in, in a sense, eyes, air sure. quotes on eyes, um, can penetrate through every facade, everything that we try to hide. He can, he can see every, absolutely everything, which can be like a frightening thing. And there is a certain health in the, the appropriate fear of the Lord. Um, but as we'll touch on at the end, there's also some really comforting and, and beautiful good things that come out of that as well. Uh, anyway, and touching on that, knowing the inner life, Psalm 139, verse 4, which we're reading more of Psalm 139 later, says, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. So God knows us through and through, inside and out. He's all-knowing. All right, on to the next one. Uh, the second one that we're going to touch on, first, God is all-knowing. Second, God is all-present, or the theological term that sometimes uses omnipresent or God's omnipresence. And this basically just means that God's presence and awareness fills all of creation. There is nothing within creation that is uh, beyond his awareness. No part of reality is beyond his reach. He's present throughout everything that he's made. There's no part of existence where God is not. There's no pocket Mm -hmm. where God cannot be found or where God's Presence and awareness is yeah, not there's there. There's nowhere you can go say, oh, I see this area on the map. It says God's not there. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to go there yeah. or whatever. Sure. Or some exist. corner of the universe out yeah. in like a you know, black hole or whatever. There's, there's no place like that. Uh, now, we know his presence can be thought of in different senses, yeah. right? So there's the sense, there's on the one hand, 
you know, like you ever hear people pray like, God, just be present with us today, sure. that kind of thing? Well, what do they mean when, and I've said that prayer before, like, what do you mean when you say that? Um, you can't, what you can't really mean by that is God, be aware of what's going on here, because that is just a simple attribute of God. Asking yeah. for that no more makes it happen or not happen than, it's just, yeah. that's just part of who God is. He's present in, in that sense. But there's also senses of, so there's that consciousness or awareness presence, that's the, kind of mm-hmm. the omnipresence idea, but there's also these other senses of um, God's presence in the form of his blessing. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes God's presence is equated with God pouring out his goodness. Yeah. Um, and, and to a certain degrees, we experience that goodness each and every day of our lives that he gives us life and breath. And, and then there's also the sense of God's presence in terms of his rule or his reign, the, the realm where, where free creatures obey the will of God. That's, he's present in the sense of being obeyed by creatures and having, having authority over free-willed creatures. So there's different aspects to God's presence, but at, at the most basic level, we just know that God is fully aware of everything happening in his creation at all times, because just like we said with, um, with time a little bit ago, that it's sort of time, and this is a bad metaphor because, again, we're using spatial things to describe it, but if just as time is kind of laid out before God, he has complete knowledge and access of that, the same is true of space, and he's kind of he, he, he can easily inhabit all of space because he's not bound by any physical limitations. Yeah, I always liked in this part, I'm talking about his omnipresence, and we'll, and we'll touch on this a little more later, but it's the idea that like, there's a period of time where people <clears throat> believed in gods that were physical beings that existed right. in a specific place, mm-hmm. and they, you know, but like, you know, could point and say like, there's where so-and-so lives. Yeah. And in this this completely reverses that idea right and is is saying no god god is god is omnipresent yeah he you know he he is everywhere yeah and um and we'll get into, into the personal application of that a little bit later but i think that's and i think big... i think you're making an important point and i i would add to that too i think an, another important distinction to make is that um by saying god is present throughout his creation all the time is not to say that god and his creation are one yeah. Um, so we we don't hold to this pantheistic view that all is God and God is all. Um, we believe that God specifically created, he specifically made a creation, a reality, a realm uh, that was distinct from himself. So that yeah. there is God and then there is what he made. There is God and then there is me. There's yeah. God and then there's you. And it's only because the creatures and the the, the realm or the, the creation that he made is distinct from himself that he can then have a relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Trinity. This, that idea that you have three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are one, and yet they are one in being, and yet they are three in person. So there's a oneness, but there's also a distinctiveness between them that allows for actual for them to relate to Perfect one another. Word, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's important that we make that distinction, though. Everything is not God. You and me are not God. This table that I'm tapping on is not God. Um, but God is present and fully aware of what is occurring in his creation all the time. He's present with us. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, great. So uh, the third um, attribute in this trilogy that we're talking about today is God is all-powerful. Or he is omnipotent is the is the word for that. Phenomenal if you cosmic pi- power. I, I thought of that this morning as, as I was thinking about this episode. I was like, it's <clears> like <throat> the end of Aladdin. But Semi-phenomenal, anyway. nearly cosmic power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
bitty bitty living space. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you for finishing that. You're off. welcome. Um, if you haven't picked up by now, omni means all. So oh yeah, sorry. We should have said that. Omnipresent and omniscience. Yeah. Um, there you go. So what this means is God is able to accomplish or to actualize anything that He wills. Yeah. There is nothing outside of God's power or outside of God's ability. Um. Yeah, there's some great verses. So let's just yeah, hit on these verses sure. quickly. Um, Isaiah 46.10, which is the, oh, which is the second part of the verse I read under omniscience. I was like, that verse sounds familiar. Oh, is it? Why is it? Yeah. My bad. Um, it says, everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry of God saying, uh, I, I can do whatever I wish. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it comes from a passage where God is kind of having to lay down the law a little bit. Yeah, and yeah he's sometimes he, he speaks with down. a lot of he just speaks very honestly there. And then in Job forty two says, "I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you." And, and that's Job. He's talking of God. I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, so we used the word actualize a minute ago, which yeah. is basically just that idea that God can bring anything to pass that He wants yeah. to. He he. Anything that he chooses to do, he can do because he has the power, the capability, whatever word you want to use to to make that a reality. Yeah, I don't know if we talk about it later, but like in talking about like creation, right? Let there be light, and there was like that's that's a sheer clear sign of God's omnipotence. It's God says, "Let there be," and so it happened. Yeah, right. And and nothing is too grand to be accomplished by God. And yeah. we were joking about this the other day that like. We have the biblical account that God created in six days and the seventh day he rested. Um, but it wasn't because God was like tuckered out. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't for exertion. <laughs> oh, goodness. That yeah. was, that time was for, strenuous. Time for my lemonade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he sits down on the hammock with a lemonade and, yeah, watches the sunrise that he made. Uh, no, the rest, the rest was just God setting up a pattern. And actually, it's a, him yeah. modeling something for human beings. Um, it means that God ceased his work of creation, not that he was tired from it. So there's everything is effortless to God. And I'll make another caveat here. There's We could have packed out this episode with hundreds of scriptures. We just yeah. didn't do that because we got to keep things kind of brief because <laughs> you can only listen for so long. Your batteries <laughs> will die or whatever. <laughs> um, but we're just kind of peppering this with some of the some of the best ones there. Um, cup, kind of coupled under this idea of God's omniscience or God's all-powerfulness is the concept of God's uh, sovereignty, uh, which basically just means that God is the ultimate authority in existence. Yeah, that the buck stops there. The buck stops with God. He does not require permission from anyone to do what he wishes. He can do what he sees fit because he's the ultimate authority of creation. He's the ultimate standard of what is good, the ultimate standard of what is right, and he has the power, as we're talking about now, to to make real whatever he desires. And, th- and that's another clear example of how God is so different than Satan. Because like yeah. in Job, we see Satan has to ask God permission. Right. He's like, can I do this? And God says, you can do some of that, but you can't do that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, so again... There, Satan is completely subordinated to God. Yeah. He, there, there's just there's, there's no that. contest there. So yeah, we want to keep making that clear. Uh, talking about this sovereignty idea, or God's God's uh, omnipotence. Looking at Daniel chapter four, verses thirty four through thirty five. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked with um, uh, with Jay Cranda about Daniel, and that was a fun uh, conversation. But we also touched on uh, there was this there's this part in the book of Daniel where King Nebuchadnezzar loses his mind yeah. for a period of I believe it's like seven years. I it's for so. for quite a long time, and he goes out and and basically lives like an animal. He he goes he's eating grass. He just he literally snaps, 
Uh, and this is inflicted on him by God because of his re- rebellion and his kind of his wickedness. Uh, and this is what King Nebuchadnezzar, once he comes back to his senses, proclaims about God. So God, or, or Nebuchadnezzar sort of had this moment where he came face to face when God inflicted this this upon him, he came face to face with God's power. And King Nebuchadnezzar, at the time, the grandest power on earth, humanly speaking, um, was completely decimated yeah. by by just a stroke of God's 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 power. Uh, and so this is what he says. He says a few things here, but this is a good excerpt from it. He says, talking about God, uh, talking about the God of Daniel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God. He says, His rule is everlasting, and His kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he see, excuse me, he does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? So again, talking about this sovereignty idea, God answers to no one and he needs to answer to no one because he's perfectly good. There's no reason for God to answer to anyone other than himself. Um, and there is no other that is is at God's level. Yeah, I think the perfect encapsulation of his sovereignty is that he is omniscient omnipresent omnipotent right it re- like that he is completely <clears throat> and utterly sovereign yeah and that he alone um has these attributes yeah and we realize that we're kind of touching on some other attributes as we talk about this like god's goodness and holiness and justice and stuff we're going to touch on those more in future episodes so if you feel like we're teasing those out you know we're going to get to it <laughs> Don't sweat it. Uh, let's talk real quickly, though, before we move on from this uh, uh, this all all power uh, point. Is there anything that God can't do? Are there any limits to what God can do? Is that a question that you're asking, maybe? Yeah. Oh. You may be asking that question out there. Uh, and I think it's one that we kind of all wrestle with. It's it's kind of, it's a little on the philosophical side, but it's, it's kind of important. Like, it gets you thinking. Um, and the answer is, yes, there are some things that God can't do. It's not that he can't do them because his power is just not sufficient to do them. Like, he just doesn't have the power to do it. Like, it's too big, it's too hard, yeah. it's too whatever. It's not something he, you know, is woeing about. There's it's- nothing that God is, that God does not have enough power to do. Yeah. But there are two that I can think of. There are at least two categories of things mm-hmm. that God can't do. The first thing is, God can't do anything that will conflict with his nature. So, yeah. God will never do anything that's in conflict with his core traits with what makes him him. Um, For example, God is holy, God is good, God is righteous, God is truth, God is love. There are a lot of sort of core attributes of God, and he'll never do anything that violates those. God only acts according to his nature, because if he were to act in a way that was other than his nature, he could not be God anymore, because it would reveal an inconsistency in him. And this is where we have to recognize the difference between God and us. We, We kind of have, we live in this conflict between two natures. Uh, we have this image of God on us, and if we're believers, we have the Holy Spirit in us, but we're also in conflict with our old nature, the sin nature that kind of draws us toward doing what's wrong and leads us into temptation. God does not have that broken nature. No. God has no inclination to do what is wrong, and he never will do what is wrong because it would violate the very core of his being. And we can see that in Jesus. Perfect example. That's why Jesus lived a perfect life. He could do no other because yeah. he was God. Now, he was tempted in very real ways, and he did take on genuine human human life, genuine mm-hmm. human flesh. Um, but because he was God, he did no evil. Uh, so one example with that, with that would be God cannot tell a lie. Yeah. It's something that God cannot, will not do. Uh, and it almost it's almost like a blend between cannot and will not because cannot implies that like he's 
like in some way limited, but it's not really that he's, it's not really a limitation. It's simply that that kind of action is incompatible with who he is. Therefore, yeah. it will it never happen. It does not compute. Yeah. <laughs> it brings up an error message <clears throat> on the screen of like, it can't, just isn't a thing. Okay. Right? <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. Yeah. Here's, <laughs> here's a good verse on this. Hebrews six eighteen says, God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Um, so God cannot do anything that violates his nature. Secondly, God can't do anything that is logically absurd. So there are simple laws of logic, and just because you read a good article on this on Got Questions, which is, I think, put it funny, just because you can string words together yeah. and challenge God to do it doesn't mean that it, 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 it may be meaningless. The age-old example of this would be, um, can God make a rock so heavy that he can't lift it? Which is just, I, if anyone ever asks you that question, you have to say, that's a dumb question. It makes no sense. You're, what you've said is logically absurd. So I had a teacher in high school who asked us that question. It was he 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 was in, he was not a Christian and he was trying to be you know smug or whatever. And so he posed this question and, and you know expecting everybody to go ooh. And I'm just sitting there going, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> like yeah, I don't know why anyone would ever be dazzled by that question. Really, <laughs> yeah. I mean. So, so this kind of absurdity is is a it's a question that carries its own contradiction within itself. So it's nonsense. So it's not a oh well then God can't do anything. Oh God's power. It, it has nothing to do God, with God's. It doesn't. Yeah, it's logically impossible for something for an infinite God to make something that's more infinite than He. It just it completely it can't. Yeah. Get better than infinite. <laughs> so like the the best answer is. That's absurd, yeah. and don't don't say nonsense and expect that God's going to like adapt to your nonsense. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Like like my boy C.S. Lewis says, nonsense is still nonsense, even if we talk it about God. Just because you put God in the equation doesn't mean what you've said makes sense. Um, so I, I heard someone answer that question one time to um, a friend of mine. He's like, I guess the answer to that would be, yes, God could make a rock so heavy that he couldn't lift it, but then he could lift it. <laughs> it's like, and if you think that answer is absurd, it's because the question itself yeah. is is a logical fallacy. It, it it's broken down. Um, so, or like a, a can God create a four sided triangle? No, because a four sided object is by nature and definition not a triangle. So it's not a limitation of God's power. It's just it's just the way logic works. It just doesn't. It just breaks down. Um, let's let's talk a little bit more about what these attributes mean for you and for me. And recapping quickly, we talked about God's uh, all knowledge, so all knowingness or omniscience. We talked about God's omnipresence, that he is present everywhere at all times. We talked about uh, God's omnipotence or God's all powerfulness, that he has all the power that could ever be needed to do anything that he ever wants to do. He has unlimited power. Uh, we're going to talk about what those mean for for you and me, Jason, yeah. and for everybody watching or listening. But I want to start off by reading a just a great passage uh, from the book of Psalms. It's Psalm uh, one thirty nine, isn't it? Oh, yes. I got to flip my pages. I think here. it's Psalm one thirty nine. We're one to eighteen. Yeah, one through eighteen. It's a little bit of a chunk, but it's a it's a passage that kind of touches on all three of the attributes we've talked about today. It's almost like this psalm was written just for this episode. <laughs> it's literally. I was amazed when I was reading this. I was going. It literally is in chunks too. Like you know, it's broken into paragraphs. Yeah. In the in the Bible, it's like, and it's bing, almost bing, by bing. attribute. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. All right, so let me read this real quickly. It's, it's it's a good one. If you're driving or just listening to the audio, this would just be a cool time for you just to kind of let this kind of wash over you a little bit. It's a great passage. It says, "Oh Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. 
You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. That's an interesting one. You're before me and behind me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. And there's more to that chapter, but that chunk is just so good. I know. That That's like a... I wish I could have... It's one of my favorite parts of the whole Bible. I wish I could have LeVar Burton, oh. the reading rainbow guy. <laughs> there you go. Just read that to me every morning before I get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Just like kneel down yeah, and like, read that mm-hmm. one. That is such a good passage. That's really good. Take um, us on. Yeah, so talking about the personalized side of this now. So, uh, and starting with all-knowing in, in this attribute that God is omniscient. Because God is all-knowing, First, I can trust him to direct my life. God wants to give you direction. I think that's something that we may not think about as much, is God wants to help you. He wants to answer. He wants to walk with you through the troubled time. He wants to help you when you have a big decision coming up or whatever. Mm. And the fact that God is all-knowing means he knows what is best, because we can trust that, because He has the plans that he made for us. Yeah. We can trust him because he's all-knowing. So you can yeah. trust God to direct your life. He wants yeah. to do it, and and he and he knows. And if there's ever like a clash between your plan and God's plan, where like you have the way you want your life to go, and God is calling you towards something else, you can trust that God has all the knowledge, he has all the wisdom, and his plans are better. I think So I, you can follow yeah. him with faith. Knowing that wherever he takes you, it'll be that, better than where you thought. That's a great point. Is is our knowledge is always going to be limited. There's always something, even if we think we know everything about a situation, there's always stuff that we don't know. Yeah. Because God knows the future, let alone the present. Yeah. So God knows the outcomes of decisions. We've all yeah. yeah, we've all experienced that moment where it's like you you look at a situation, a circumstance that you're in, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but you look at it and you think there's just it's so obvious how this is going to play out. There's no way this could go any differently. Like, I know how this is going to go. I know how this conversation is going to go. I know how I, I know that this is going to go south, and there's nothing I can do to stop it. And then it doesn't. It goes a different way. Yeah. <laughs> We're constantly faced with the fact that we don't understand. We don't have the kind of understanding that we think we do sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes we think we see the whole picture, but we don't. God does. Yeah. Anyway, that's... That's a great first point. The second point yeah. is is he is aware of my pain and struggles. Yeah. 
um, since we have a God who is all-knowing, he knows everything that is going on in your life. He knows he knows the hardships that you're walking through. He knows the internal struggles that you may be feeling. He knows if you suffer from anxiety or depression. He yeah. knows, you know, if there are days where it's hard to get out of bed. He, he, know, he knows if you're, you know, it, no matter what the facade is that you may put on, like when you're having a conversation with somebody or talking, he knows any inner hurt that you're really feeling that you're trying to cover up. Yeah. Um, so there's nothing that we can't bring to God yeah. because he already knows. Yeah, you never have to have that feeling that you're all alone. Yeah, with with the in the sense that, um, like no one really knows the real me or knows what's going on inside me because no matter what your friends, your family, whatever the opinion of others may be, God sees you through and through. Yeah, and He knows exactly where you it's are. A and great what you're going song through. from Dino and the Dynamos called <clears throat> "Never Alone." God is always with you. Interesting. Onward. Yeah. Um, and a third point on this is he knows all my flaws, yet he loves me anyways. He, as we said earlier, there is no sin that we can commit that he doesn't know. There is no thing that we can do wrong that we can hide from him. Yeah. And yet God still loves you unconditionally. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of the heart behind <clears throat> confession too, is that God already knows. So we can be honest about it. We can be open about it. God, he wants us to be open to yeah. him about it. He doesn't want us to try to hide things from him because he already knows. Right. And his love is there. His grace is there. His forgiveness is there. His mercy is there. Yeah. So so we can be honest and open with him. There's nothing that you can say that he'll be like, <gasps> what? <laughs> well, I never. I, yeah. No, that's because he's all knowing. Well, and I, I would add to that. I want to just add to that too. The, um, we talked earlier about how God knows perfectly past, present, and future. That if if you ever have that moment where you're like, "Oh man, I just made this mistake," or you know, whatever, and you feel like God's going to leave me because of this, or like God's not going to want anything to do with me, or that kind of thing, just remember. Or if I do this thing, yeah. then God will turn His back on me. Just remember that God always knew that you were going to do that. Yeah. You didn't surprise him with it. Like, it didn't come out of nowhere. And it's not like, this is the beauty of God, or one of the many aspects of God's beauty, is that he doesn't just know everything about you now, he knows everything about every stage of your existence. So, he He knew before he made you mm-hmm. all the mistakes that you would make, all the things you do right, all the things you do wrong. He knew that you would turn to him. He knew that you wouldn't. He knew everything that you would do, and yet he loves you anyway. And that's one of the great truths of the scriptures is that though he knows everything about us, he loves us regardless of that. That's God's agape or or, um, all giving love, that God treats us with love because love is what he is. Love is just part of the essential nature of God. He doesn't give us love because we deserve it or because of the things that we do. He just gives it. So you don't have to hide anything from God. And as scary as it can be to know that like, oh, God knows everything I've ever done wrong. How like, um, how naked that can make you feel. Um, recognize the 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 bigger truth behind that. That God does know every single thing, but He still loves you dearly and wants relationship with you. That's the kind of God we've yeah, we've got. And I think of it instead of as a scary prospect. Think of it as a freeing prospect. Yeah, is you oh, don't totally. have to try to hide anything because you can't. Yeah, quit the show. Yeah, you don't have to do that. 
Um, Matthew 10, 29 through 31 says, What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Hmm, that's good. All right, next, because God's all present, two things. First, I'm never alone or forgotten. You're, you're never by yourself. No matter how lonely you may feel on your darkest and worst day, you are never, ever alone. God is always with you. And that, I think, is a truth that, um, that all of us really need to grasp onto because it doesn't matter who you're surrounded with sometimes. You can have great people in your life, but there can sometimes just be days where you just feel alone. You feel yeah. like you're... But to know that you're fully understood by God and that he's with you all the time, as you said, is a very freeing truth. Yeah. You're never, ever alone. And second, uh, this is a very kind of pragmatic one. He hears me when I pray, that when I pray, God is present with me. He's right there with me. He's, he's um, imminent is like one of the theological terms that we use. He's like right there. Like he's, he is right with you when you turn to him in prayer. Yeah, it's not like you want to pray, but you have to wait for God to come back to you because he's over in China answering a different <laughs> prayer. Yeah, like the Bruce Almighty thing where it's like yeah, all the, the prayers come pouring in and one person has to Yeah, that and that's part of that's part of the beauty of it is that like when you answer the question of like, well, how can God be listening to my prayer now? How how can he listen and respond to my prayer now? And also another person who's praying simultaneously on the other side of the earth. Well, God's not limited by all these spatial things. Like yeah. he he's not he's, limited by any of that. That's the beauty of his transcendence. All present, all all powerful and all knowing. Yeah. All um, right, go ahead. And so, and because God is all powerful, none of my problems are beyond his help. There is nothing that you can't bring to God. There is no problem that is too big or too small. Right. That's and, and say, and say, oh, well, I don't think even God can help me with this. Yeah. You know, it's, as we've talked about, there is nothing out of bounds in terms of, in terms of our need and God's ability to provide. Yeah. Um, and then another point is I can trust him with things that are beyond my control. Sometimes we find ourselves in, in, in places in life or in, in situations and in, in seasons that we just feel things are running amok. Yeah. That we feel like we can't get a handle on things or whatever. Yeah. It's not out of God's <clears throat> realm of control. Yeah. And I think when we open ourselves up to this idea that God can work in ways that we don't even see. And, and many times he does. God works in ways that we are not even cognizant of. Yeah, probably most of what God does is a complete mystery yeah, to us. I would imagine. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if you... We can put our trust in in this God yeah. because, because he is all-powerful, because he's all-knowing, because he's all-present. And in knowing that he, that this God who is sovereign in... in, in it has these attributes, loves us, loves you, cares for you, and it wants to be involved in every detail of your life. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. And he cares enough about your life to have a plan for it and to to desire to be to, to be a part of that journey with you. And to save you. Yeah. And to want to spend eternity with you. Yeah. And I and going back to what you're the point you were making just a second ago, I think we can take that up the chain even to even to, I mean, talking about this idea of things that are beyond our control, thinking yeah. of world events. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, thinking of, of what's going on with foreign governments or what's going on in our own government or what's going on uh, with atrocities abroad or natural disasters. There's lots of things going on. 
but we know that God has all power and that God is sovereign. We also know that God is accomplishing a plan that we cannot see fully. We have a tiny, tiny little perspective, and God has a massive, eternal, creational perspective. And because of that, what God does may not always make sense to us, um, but again, this is where we stand back and go, God's ways are higher than my, than my ways. Um, God, knows, God knows what ought to be done all the time with perfect clarity, and we don't. Yeah. So we have to surrender that to him. So, um, Which leads us great into this verse. Yeah, Daniel 2.21 sure. says, He controls the course of, of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. Mm-hmm. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. All right, let's wrap up with some doable steps. A uh, couple things, a uh, cu- couple ideas to help you just sort of bring these attributes into your daily life in the coming days and weeks. In fact, even maybe when this episode wraps up and you set your phone down or you stop watching or stop listening, whatever, th- that could even just in itself be a good time. Use the rest of your drive or use the next few minutes to just reflect on these attributes of God a little bit. Uh, maybe to give thanks to God for these attributes and and uh, how much that means for your daily life. Uh, I'd encourage you in your times of prayer to acknowledge these truths about who God is. Um, you know, part of one of the parts of prayer is praising God, giving giving Him glory for who He is, and this is a great way to do that. Um, one thing that we like to say is that uh, you should let the size of your God determine the size of your faith, and we can connect that to let the size of your God determine the size of your prayers. So as you pray in the coming days and weeks, uh, I would encourage you to start thinking a little bit bigger with what you ask and, and the kinds of things that you talk about with God, knowing that God is limitless, that He's transcendent. Um, and, and maybe hearing this episode has sort of expanded your perspective on who God is just a little bit, or maybe a lot. Maybe there's something we've talked about today that you never knew before. And that actually allows you to pray more powerfully and to approach God more confidently because you have a slightly clearer picture of who he is, who it is you're talking to. And that's a that's a big aspect of prayer. So I would challenge you this week and say, you know, some of you might, might have a prayer life. Uh, maybe you have the daily habit of prayer. Uh, but I would urge you, maybe this week, you start asking for something a little bit bigger. Maybe there's something that God is ready to give to you, and you just don't have it because you haven't asked. He's ready to do something for you that you wouldn't even believe if someone told you. And he's ready to do that, but he just hasn't because you've never asked him for it yet. So I would say if if this has expanded your picture of God, I would encourage you to expand your prayer life as well and to start, you know, um, bringing that big picture of him into your prayer life. It's so good. Yeah. I have I have another a tangible, doable step oh, good. that I thought of. Ask the person that you know with the best speaking voice, the most calming, the most speaking voice, and ask them to record an audio of Psalm 139 and set it as your alarm every morning. Yeah. And so you wake up to, you know, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You, <laughs> yeah. you wake up every morning to that psalm. If you know somebody with a really incredible voice who records an amazing version of Psalm 139, yeah. you need to send that to yeah, us. Yeah, please, please don't be stingy with it. Don't be send stingy. It to us. Send it to us. Maybe we'll make it our alarm clock or maybe we'll, we'll even play it on the show one of these days. Cool. That'd be pretty sweet. Anyway, we love you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. 
And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows, your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.